for getting in this. Praise the Lord. Did you bring your Bibles this morning? Are you ready? All right. Make your declaration with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for what you desire to do in and through our lives by revealing the truth that is contained in your word. Father, let us hear your word today and let faith come in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Now, I just want to share this with you. I read and uh, I was praying in my office, walking around praying in my office, and, and this book caught my eye uh, that I have in, in, uh, by Charles Spurgeon, part of some collections of his. And uh, Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers and uh, a great preacher and, and English preacher and stuff. But he was just talking about in this area of, uh, and this is, uh, in, in this part is about qualifications for soul winning and about God using us and our lives being directed towards others. But this part here is about earnestness. So he says this, So brethren, it's not the bigness of words you utter, it's the force with which you deliver them that decides what is to come of the utterance. I have heard of a ship that was fired at by cannon in a fort, but no impression was made upon it until the general commanded and gave the order for the cannonballs to be made red hot. And then the vessel was sent to the bottom of the sea in three minutes. That's what you must do with your sermons. Make them red hot. Never mind if men do say you're too enthusiastic or even too fanatical. Give them red hot shot. There's nothing else half as good for the purpose you have in view. We do not go out snowballing on Sundays. We go out fireballing. We ought to hurl grenades into the enemy's ranks. Amen? And so this morning, I read that because this morning's message, I'm just, and we've been on this uh, a track that God has had me, just in the area of coming into the full understanding of who we are in Christ and the authority that we have in Christ. And last week, I presented to you, if you would, uh, kind of may, maybe not the best illustration, but the defense of the authority of the believer. And if somebody is being put on trial for really believing God, speaking the word, standing on the word, what kind of defense we give? And we gave the defense that Jesus set the precedence for us to follow and we talked about the area that Jesus and we kind of brought it up in there that Jesus never went about praying for people he went about affecting a change in their lives and he did that by the authority that he was walking in we talked about in our life group on Thursday night now did Jesus just walk in that authority because he was the son of God or did he do it because he was God who became all man anointed by the Holy Spirit he did it through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the same power and anointing that you received through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, which is why, now let me just say this, which is why the devil has fought so much against the truth concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even through the area of praying in other tongues. There, there are so many weapons that are given to you, and it's like kind of going into, a, how many of you have ever seen that old thing that it's not smart to go to a gunfight with a knife? And the devil comes with guns, and we show up with knives and little sticks. Doing all right? And so not understanding that we are actually in a battle, but in this battle, we have already been declared the victors before the fight ever starts. Let, let, let me give you the illustration. When you understand who you are in Christ or what covenant you have with God, David in the Old Testament with his understanding of covenant with God called Goliath dead before he ever took a step towards him. In his eyes, Goliath was already dead, already defeated. Didn't matter how big he was. Didn't matter what he, what he had for armor compared to him or weapons compared to him. He was not in covenant with God. And David wasn't going out fighting on his own. He was going out fighting in the name of the Lord. And as your pastor, if I can get this down on the inside of you, you aren't just a person walking around. We live so much in the natural, but everything we are called to be in Christ is in the spirit. Every admonition Paul gave to the church was not try to figure this out with your mind. It was to renew your mind to think as a spiritual being. You're born again. You're alive in the spirit. You walk in the spirit. You pray in the spirit. 
Amen? And so that's where we're supposed to live, and that's where we're supposed to walk. Go with me to John chapter 15. And I want to read one verse, and then we're going to dive into this this morning. Because I want to break impotency, impotency, impotency off of the body of Christ. Off of your life. John chapter 15 and verse 6. Listen to what Jesus said. You did not choose me. We say all the time, I, well, I, I made the choice to accept the Lord. Yeah, but you didn't without him drawing you. Amen. He draws us. Listen to what he said. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and what? Bear fruit, or in other words, be fruitful, and that your fruit should remain. And get this, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. How many know there's no maybe in that statement? Now, let, let me help you. Christianity and down through the ages, we, we, we've been conditioned to think in maybes when it comes to God, not in affirmatives. Jesus did not declare a maybe. This is not, there's no maybe in any part of this statement. This is a declaration of just what is. This is a declaration of fact. And if we ever start reading the Bible and taking God at his word as a declaration of facts, not options, it changes everything. If you look at that word ask, if you look it up in the Greek, it's a word that means to call for or require. If you ask the Father, if you call for or require anything of the Father in my name, he will do it. Hear that. If you ask, if you call for or require anything of the Father in my name, he will give you. Amen? He'll give it to you. James, uh, Matthew 7, verse 8, and Luke 11, verse 10 says this. Jesus said that, that same word. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. Amen. And we talk about Thursday night in our life group too. We'll go, well, I asked and I haven't received it yet. That's because you think in time. That's because you think in limitation. When you just call it done and you settle it, it's done, it's finished. You doing all right? Well, pastor, now you're going somewhere. Good, let's go there together. Amen. So watch it. Look, look down at your outline with me. The womb, the church, the, the womb of life in the earth is the church. The church is a birthing place. Out of the church, life comes into the earth, spiritual life. The church is a womb for life. The church has ne was never meant to be impotent or powerless to produce. The church is to be the place of power in the earth. When God shows up by his spirit, all that he is shows up. Amen. God's people were always meant to bring forth his life and purpose in the earth for his glory. Mark chapter 4, you read it in the parables of seed and soil and all that stuff. Here's something to understand. It, it, in our lives, our lives are, are, are compared to two things. They're compared to seed and they're compared to soil. Your life, every choice you make, everything you do is in seed form. You live, your life is governed by the law of seed, time, and harvest. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago in the area of giving, and it's just in this. If I, if I have no seed in the ground when it comes to obedience and giving, I've given God nothing to bless. And so when it comes to my finances, if I don't believe in God's principles for standing on his word and as a giver and being generous, then, then, then I'm living by my own strength in that area. I've chosen to live by my strength. Now, any place you're not using God's word and putting it to work, even in this area of your prayer life, in the area of your giving, in the area of serving, in any area, then I've, I've taken myself out of the arena of God's provision, and I'm living in my own strength. The sower, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. And when the word of God, the, the, this is seed. He said that the, the seed is the word of God. 
The sower went out sowing. Well, what was the seed? The seed is the word of God. So your heart is soil, but your choice is also a seed. Doing all right? I say it like this. I've made the choice to sow the seed of my life into the soil of his kingdom. And every seed that God ever created, you take a tomato seed, an orange seed, a lemon seed, an apple seed, whatever it is, there's already an assignment in that seed. That seed already has a design purpose that it will bring forth. The assignment is in it. All that seed needs is to be sown. And if it's sown into good soil, it will produce what's on the inside of it. If this ever goes off on the inside of you, your life is a seed. And if you ever sow it in the right soil, what God assigned to your life will come forth and it cannot be stopped. And no other assignment can be given to it. This is what we do. We have all kinds of ideas of what we think God should have made for the assignment of our life. So we try to design what we think would be the best blessing that God could bring into my life. God, if you would do this, if you would do this, if you would do this. He said, well, that's not what I put in you. And then we wonder when we go after all that, none of that brings us any contentment. That's why we're never satisfied. We always need more. I'm preaching really good this morning. And so in this area, because of that, we don't see, we, we don't understand the principle of that. But, but if I ever choose to say, wait a minute, I, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't sign my own harvest. God has put something on the inside of me. That's why the Apostle Paul says that. He says, I, I, don't, I haven't reached yet. I haven't apprehended the fullness of what God has for my life. I just want to find out what he put in me. God has put something in you. And if you ever sow your life into the soil of his kingdom, what he put in you comes out without all the effort that we try to put into it. It happens. Praise God. So the church, God's people were always meant to bring forth his life and purpose in the earth for his glory. We are not an impotent people, but an empowered people. Empowered to produce by the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing that, that, that the Bible says, that Acts 1 8, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive. And, and we say, well, I just don't feel, I just don't feel like. I just don't feel. I don't feel. Holy Ghost power has nothing to do with what you feel. It has to do with what God said. Because your feelings are connected to your emotions. And God does not want to go there with you. Our emotions are beyond his control. Because they're in the area of your will. All right. See, we are to preach the gospel with confirming sides, performing acts of indisputable authority, which means commanding. Jesus said this. He said, these signs will follow them who believe. Again, Jesus never made suggestions. He made declaration. The word of God is not a suggestion. It is a declaration to your life. And when I choose to believe God over everything else in this world, Everybody in here has known somebody who tried to believe God or was believing God and it didn't turn out. Never let somebody's experience be a canceled stamp on your faith. Well, I knew somebody and they didn't get it. I'm sorry. I have empathy, I have sympathy, I have compassion, I have all of that. But that is not going to be a canceled stamp on my faith to believe God. Are you doing all right? In that area. Now, now, now let me put it to you like this. We, we need to get a spirit of competition back in our walk. Well, how could, what do you mean? Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All who run the race run to win. Paul likened this faith to running away and desiring to win the prize. So being competitive, now in this race, who are you running against? There's an adversary that you're, we're not running against each other, 
But the, our, our opponent is the devil. He wants to win. He doesn't want you to win. The goal of the devil is to keep you from crossing the finish line. He wants you to give up in the race. Now, I'm like this. At, 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 at my age still, I'm still kind of competitive. So this last weekend, you know, the last couple of days, my son Cody and I, our youngest son, we went away and we put, we, he planned this out. He asked me early this year if I'd play in this tournament with him for his company at, 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 uh, at Poppy Hills in Monterey. I said, yeah, we'll go down. And so we're going down. I'm still teasing him. I said, son, <laughs> you need to strive to beat me. It may not happen till I'm 90. But you need to keep striving to beat me in that. Because I'm out to whoop you every time we play. That's just the way it is, if I'm going to play. Now, when we played in this tournament, they they paired us with these other two young men. A young man, 28, and a young man, 34. And, I mean, these are just young, just really strong. I mean, these guys hit the ball a ton. I needed binoculars to see where it was landing. This one kid, Matt, he was hitting the ball an average about 310 yards up to 365 yards. I just, what are you doing? But, and, and this other young boy, Michael, he was hit and he was swinging so hard. And he was into it so hard. But he was doing effort that was wasted because he was getting himself in more trouble. And so here comes Grandpa. Amen? And so they're looking at me. I said, I, 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 go, I would swing that hard, but a man's got to know his limitations. And so if you stay within your own lane, are you listening to me? And this is what happened. We watch other people. We try to and get intimidated, and you get pulled over into something. Now, just learn your lane and your groove. But be determined that if you're running in your lane and your groove, you are going to win. It doesn't matter how far their drive went and how much further than that. There's one drive. I, I hit about 265 yards. Cody and I measured out. We had the yards book that hit. And this man, the kid is like 100 yards in front of him. I go, my goodness. And just flying the ball. Amen? But the other part of that is, is that in your attitude, what, what's going on up here? Are you listening to me? What's going on up here determines what's happening in your walk with God and in your performance. And if you ever get your mind to agree with what the Word of God says you are, we have a hard time believing what God says we are. And if you ever get your mind to quit disagreeing and start agreeing, it will change your performance. And you won't have to overswing. You won't have to try so hard. You won't have to put all this exerted effort. It'll just be an ease. Are you with me? Now, let me just give you this. I don't even know if we'll get past the cover of the outline this morning. Hear me. This is not there, but I want you to hear this statement. You cannot afford to be passive and expect to win the war against the devil. The church has been lulled into passivity, into being passive with the devil. That is not going to happen. The devil does not fight fair. The Bible says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You cannot be passive with somebody who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you do not understand your enemy, there there was a book written years ago called The Art of War. One of the factors in The Art of War is called conquer and divide. I mean, divide and conquer. And so look at what the church has been. We've been divided over all these issues and everything. And we divide over stuff that absolutely means nothing. But if you ever get the church to come together, then that is power. Doing all right? But there are strategies in wars and using that. And the devil is a master. You're fighting an adversary who has been fighting against humanity and taking down humanity for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so that's why the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. If I'm just going to warn my own strength, I'm going to lose more than I win. 
But we've been conditioned that walking in the Spirit and walking in the authority of God's Word is, is too weird. I want to challenge you. Welcome to weird. Just go ahead and be weird. Who cares what the world thinks? I'm kind of like that. It's not your problem. You can have an opinion about me and my faith all you want, but your opinion isn't going to help my life. I'm living out the issues of my own life. I'm walking with God in my own life. Have all the opinions that you want, but just keep them to yourself. Don't let your opinions try to become dictates over my life and how to live for God. Are you doing all right? But we let people's opinion, we're so afraid of people's opinions of us. Well, I wonder what they will think. Who gives a flying rip? I don't mean that negatively. Why are you letting somebody's opinion move you off of winning? Are you doing all right? Look inside your outline. Now watch. The power behind purpose in your life is the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the helper to you. Just look at your neighbor and tell him you could use some help. Look at your other neighbor and tell him the helper's here. Amen. What does that mean? Jesus said, I'm sending you help. I'm sending you help. You're not going to have to do this on your own. The number one canceling statement that when we use when it comes to living by faith and walking out the reality of who we are in Christ, we begin with, I can't. I don't know how. I, we, we, we begin with canceling statements. I don't understand. I, 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 we have all these things that we say. And the Bible always speaks in affirmative statements. The one we use almost all the time is what the Apostle Paul, what did Paul say? I can. What? How? Now, let me just give you a secret. If that one verse ever went off in you, it would change your whole life. I can do all things through Christ. That, that would take the I can't out of your life. How can, I can do all things through Christ, so it's no longer in me. I'm doing everything through who I am in. I am in, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If I can get you in him, it changes everything. In him changes everything about our life. So the power behind purpose is the Holy Spirit. We are empowered as believers to be men and women of God and doers of the word. What's the Bible say? Don't be hearers only, be doer. So something in us has to desire, wait a minute, I want to do the word. I don't want to just read the word, I want to do the word. The Bible says, these signs follow them that believe. Well, are you a believer? Yes, I am a believer. Then do the word. Well, I can't, I... Are you with me? So I want to, but then I tell myself I can't, and, and then I give my reasons. Because in, my, in me, I can't. But I'm not doing it in me. I'm doing it in him. Amen. We're doing all right. So watch it. Power flows through knowing who you are in Christ. Why am I on there? Power flows through knowing who you are in Christ. Once I am convinced. Somebody say convinced. That God's word is true concerning me, I can begin to break through the walls and obstructions that Satan sets before me. I just have to become convinced that I am. Wait a minute, I'm a believer. Listen, this is how hard it gets. These signs follow them who believe. That's a qualifier. Disbelief. The Holy Spirit gives us obstacle-breaking power. And by His power, we are able to overcome insecurities, limitations, fears, and doubts. Think about it. We are empowered to perform His will and to do His work in the earth in order to produce kingdom harvest. God empowered you to do His work. 
If I ever believe that God wants to bring increase into his kingdom, we, we, we have the little thing on our offering envelope that, that says, name your seed. This is what I name every time I, I give and I fill out that offering. This is my declaration. The continual flow of kingdom increase through my life. That's what my faith is connected to. I want to, see, I want to be a part of seeing God's kingdom increase through my life. I want my life to bring increase to his kingdom. You say, Pastor, why? Because I'm not going to be here forever, but I'm going to be there for all of eternity. And when I arrive in heaven, I want to arrive in heaven having produced increase for his kingdom during my time here. That's my goal. I pray that that would become yours too, that you would see, God, I, I want your kingdom. When, when, when somebody looks at my life, if, if, if at the end, at a memorial for me, did I produce any increase into the kingdom? Was God allowed to flow through my life in such a way that brought increase to it? Not increase to my life, increase to his kingdom. Let me put you like this. If you ever live to increase his kingdom, your life will be blessed. And you won't have to work to be blessed. All right. I didn't mean to discourage you. <laughs> Amen. Watch this. So we're empowered to perform his will and to do his work in the earth in order to produce kingdom harvest. The power of perception and perspective makes all the difference. So, Pastor, what are you pushing for? I'm just pushing to change your perspective and your perception of who you are in Christ. John chapter 14 is the woman with the issue of blood. Here's this woman there. She had a whole perception of her life. She was a failure for whatever reason. Let me just help you. There is no account in that scripture that says this woman was in an adulterous affair. Whatever religion has labeled this woman an adulteress, Jesus did not call her out for adultery. As he began to, she marveled. Here she is, and she's under this cloud of oppression because of the conditions and the issues that have transpired in her life. She's an outcast from society. People look down on her. And, and it, it, I say this when I teach about her, preach about her, is that she's there gathering water, not in the cool of the day when normal people gather, but in the middle of the day when it is hot, because the heat of the sun is cooler than the critical gaze of the people around her. Are you with me? She said it's cooler in the middle of the heat than it is in the, in, in, in the cool of the morning when people are judging me and looking down on me. That's too hot to handle. And so here she is, and here's Jesus speaking to her, and she's curious, why are you interacting? We don't have any dealings with one another. We're not supposed to be interacting. And Jesus, look what Jesus said. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Oh, give me some to drink so I don't have to come back to this place again. And then as the conversation goes on, then Jesus said, go and call your husband. And this is why they call her an adulterer. One, because they're stupid of the culture of that area. Jesus said, go and call your husband. He says, well, I don't have one. Jesus says, in this saying, you are right, because you've had five, and the one that you have now is not your own. <gasps> oh. He said, the husband you have is not your own. What it means is it's not your one by choice. The husband she had was a kinsman redeemer. Are you with me? A kinsman redeemer, which meant that in, in that culture, if you were married and, and your husband died and your husband, had, your husband had a brother, it was a brother's responsibility to bring his spouse and provide a covering for her doing all right and so she said and then now watch when jesus said this and began to reveal that it says her perception changed she goes i perceive you are a prophet and the moment her perception and her perspective of jesus changed it changed the whole conversation tone of the conversation and it went from self-justification to worship. And it brought her into a relationship with the Lord where he revealed to her only a couple times did he ever tell anybody, I am the Christ. 
Because she began to talk about worship, and they go, well, you worship on this hill, and we worship on that. Jesus said, the hour is coming now here when you men will worship the Father in spirit and truth. That's who the Father is seeking. And, and then she, Jesus, she goes, oh, man, this is it. Amen? And she goes and tells everybody, I found him. And, and, Jesus, and then she goes, oh, I, I, we believe the Messiah is coming. Jesus says, I am he. Let me help you. If your perception and your perspective will change about God and Christ and who you are in Him, He will begin to reveal things to you. Are you with me? Look what Jesus said. He began to open up and reveal Himself to her in a way that He had not done even with the twelve. You doing all right? Is this helping you this morning? So watch it. Now what? Secondly, having perfect understanding is required. It's imp- you say, Pastor, why do you put so much in your outline? Why do you put so much into this? J- j- just go with me to Hosea chapter 4. And in the church, we're notorious for quoting half verses. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 begins like this. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And that's true. We're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, how come they have no knowledge? Well, that's the second half of the verse. Because you have rejected knowledge. Watch this. Because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. How come we don't quote the second half of that verse? Well, you know, that's a little too severe for me. No, that's just the word. To have knowledge, you have to pursue knowledge. Paul Paul and Peter both. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to grow in knowledge without personal application. Without hunger, desire, without wanting to know. The American church has been culturalized into being dumbed down to the least level possible. I've gotten super discouraged. Even for the, for the church as a whole. You know, there are churches in, in our Sacramento region right now through the summer who are having movie months. Where they're not having church. They're, they're showing family movies in church. And they're giving out popcorn and entertainment. So all the month of July, they're just showing movies and through the month of July the devil does not stop kicking your butt the devil goes look at that they're they're serving popcorn and watching cars it's one thing to have a family are you listening to me you're going to have a family and I do that that's just family that's not church but when you take church and make it movie day And people have children on drugs. People have, are, are fighting cancer. They're fighting diseases. They're, they're fighting real battles. And you're not teaching them how to win. I have an issue with you. Because your goal is to get... Oh. So watch this. Luke wrote to Theophilus both in Luke chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 1. It says, I'm writing to you, O Theophilus, after having perfect understanding of everything connected to Christ and his ministry. And I'm writing it to you so you also will have clarity of understanding. Luke wanted Theophilus to know. To have assurance in his faith. As your pastor, I want you to know. But my enthusiasm has to be transferred into your desire. 
You have to desire to know and pursue. God, I want to know you. I want to know what it means. I want to get in the, I want to get in the word and just go, God, that's so cool. And then there, and the Holy Ghost just begins to lead you. Go, hey, see that? Watch this. If you turn over here, you'll find out that this goes with that. And then you find out that not only that goes with that, it goes with this over here. And you're going, that is so cool. But does it go, yes, and it goes with that. Ah! That is awesome. And you go, wait a minute. This really is a living book. This thing is talking to me. And you go to somebody and go, did, did, my Bible talks to me. And they go, oh, you're a little weird. Yes, I am. Very weird. I believe God. I believe God. Amen? Now what? Understanding and the knowledge of the truth empowers us to live and fulfill our purpose. Why is your understanding and desire to know so important? Get this. The devil knows and understands that God can only operate in and with, in and within the parameters of his word. The devil knows this. This is what God says. God said, this is all I can do in the earth. This is all I can do, but I will do all of this in the earth for you. Are you with me? The Lord said, this is all I can do, but I will do all of this in the earth on your behalf. We continually want God to go outside of and move outside of the parameters of his word. The devil understands this. God will never move outside of the boundaries and the parameters that he's already set in his word. That's why it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You mean I have to study? Pretty much. Pretty much. Study to show yourself approved. That what? The workman might be the, the workman. We're supposed to be workmen for the Lord in building the kingdom. Might be thoroughly equipped, being able to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? And all scripture is given for inspiration, for edification, for reproof, for instruction in knowledge. Paul writes to Timothy. So if I want to know. Now, religious opinions and idea, great opinion. That's good. That's why I wear this little bracelet. Good thought, nice opinion, but what's the word say? That's nice. That's a great thought. That's really nice. But it's not in here. And if it's not in here, it's not God. And if it's not in here, it won't produce. Because God said this is all that I can do in the earth. I hope you get that. This is all I can do in the earth, but I will do all of this in the earth for you. And if I ever go, okay, I agree. Everything God has said, he never asked you to do it. He just asked you to agree that he will do it on your behalf. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> Everything God asks of us, the act that he asks us to do is just an act of agreement. Every promise God makes is this. If you do this, I will do this. He didn't say I might do this. Every promise in the Bible, if you do this, I will will do this. I don't know about you, I want to live in the I will do's. I just choose to do because he said if I do, he, get this, he will do. He will bring about the performance of his word concerning you. Is that all right? But I have to know what he said he would do. There's thousands and thousands of promises in the Bible. Well, pastor, could you make a list and print them out for us? No. It's already been done. 
If you won't read this one, you won't read the one I print. I'll put it to you like this. Pastor, could, could you help? I did. I put more information in your hands every week than you can digest. Now I'm going to get up in your grill. Most of you throw those away. Many of you leave them sitting right here. Because you're not convinced yet that the word is your answer. You still have too, too much confidence in your own flesh, your own mind, your own understanding, your own intellect, your own ability. Maybe you've been successful in business. Maybe you're doing, that, 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 Everything in the natural that works for you doesn't mean anything in the realm of the spirit. Our main purpose as believers, I need the worship team to come back. Our main purpose as believers and followers of Christ is to be his witnesses in the earth. That's the primary function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are empowered to be. You know what most Christians are afraid of? Witnessing. How can I put this? If you were in a bank and saw a robbery and you didn't get killed. <laughs> That's bad. All right. If you saw a crime take place, I'll break it down different. If you saw, <laughs> if you saw a crime take place, all right, and you saw it happen, and people knew you were a witness. And you were called into a court to give an account as a witness. Would you go, oh, I can't. I just don't know what I would say. Being a witness for Christ is just giving. When you're called as a witness, you're called to take a seat on the stand and give your testimony you give a sworn testimony of what you either saw or what you heard to be a witness for Christ is just to give a testimony of what you have seen and what you have heard what, what has God done in your life if you go back, I'll never forget my pastor used to say this. Let, let me put you like this. How many have ever prayed when you couldn't find your car keys? How many know the Lord helped you find your car keys? What is that? A testimony. Okay. How many have had animals and your kids loved their animals and the animal got sick and you prayed for their pet and God healed the pet? What is that? A testimony. Doing all right? Anything else that God has ever done where you pray, and he's done, you, you are now a witness of something that you have seen and heard. And so when somebody asks you, how do you believe in God? Well, let me just give you my testimony of what I've seen and heard. You don't have to quote chapter and verse. You just have to give your testimony. Friday night, Cody and I were playing golf, and uh, we had dinner, and we went and to, we said, well, instead of going to drive, let's just see if we can play a round of golf. So we went to this golf court, Del Monte, right, right there in, in Monterey. They actually got us on, so we're playing on the fourth hole. This other guy comes up behind us. There's a group in front of us that's playing a little slower, so we're waiting for them. So he comes, we said, hey, would you like to join us? We're waiting on these guys. There's no place to go. So he goes, yeah. So after the second hole of playing with him, I go, oh, you, you live here in the area? And I, I said, oh, you go first. Uh, you, you, you play here all the time. He goes, no, I'm from Colorado. This I've never played here before. I said, well, awesome. So we start talking. So I said, how'd you get here? Why are you here? Well, I'm here for, he worked for an oil company in Colorado. So there's some oil and, and drilling conference area. He goes, it's kind of weird here. We're in Monterey talking about oil and drilling stuff. I said, that's crazy anyway. But then he goes, and so we start talking about viewpoints on stuff and liberals and you know, and all these other views on, you know, uh, carbon energy and all that stuff and climate. And he goes, yeah, they, they should just have to live one day living what they preach. 
if they had to live one day just living what they preach on green energy and doing away with everything, if they, if they just had to live there one day, if they just had to practice that was what they just had to practice what they preach for one day, it had changed their mind. So after we finished that hole, we're walking back to our cart. And I said, "Man, I understand that. I have to try to practice what I preach every day." He goes, "What do you mean?" I go, "Well, I'm a pastor, and if I don't practice what I preach, I'm out of a job." Amen. And so then we get to the next hole, and we're walking up on the green, and our balls are kind of... And he's standing right by my ball. And he looks at me, and he goes, you're really a pastor? I go, no, hard to believe, huh? I go, yeah. He goes, would you have any words of wisdom for me while we're out here? I go, yeah. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? I'm working on it. I said, well, we'll fix that before you leave. And then we go, and so then we get to the next hole. We play that, we finish that out. We get to the next tee box. He asked me another question. And we're walking there. He goes, he said, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, I'm a heathen Catholic. I said, no, you're not. And then we get to the next hole. And just a little conversation going on. And then all of a sudden we're on the 12th hole. And he goes, Hey, guys, i got to go to a dinner engagement. I said, not just yet. You said you'd pray. So right there, he just prayed and accepted the Lord. Right there. So a heathen Catholic became a born-again believer on a golf course because you just have to believe God will use you anywhere in an opportunity. I go, well, I don't want to tell anybody I'm a Christian. What would they think about me? Who cares? Because every day around you, there are people. See, it's very rare that when I tell people I'm a pastor, that they actually approach you and start pressing in. You listen to me? Anytime people, oh, hey, you know, a lot of things. Oh, well, well, fine. I just know you're not open. I'm going to waste time. I'm going to do that. We'll just play and be nice. The two young men on Saturday we play with is nice. And they do that. But what's funny is after I told them, that they asked me, because I gave them some cherries, and they go, what do you do? Because we bought some cherry by a fruit stand. And he goes, and uh, so they all work for Gallus. So we go, oh, we thought you were a farmer. These are really good cherries. I said, no, I'm kind of a pastor. I'm kind of the harvest business, but I am a pastor. So it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> Amen. And then, but, but the guy goes, so then after that, one of the young guys, man, he just, almost every hole was multiple F-bombs. So I had no impact on him. Amen. And he just got madder and madder and madder at his game and everything else. And I just kept putting my arm around him and loving him. And I'll, and I'll get to see him again. Because we've already made plans that we want to get together and play again. So I got my eye on that young man. He listened to me. Going to, but listen, you have to believe God will use you. Any place, anytime, anywhere. Stand with me this morning. Many times we go through heartaches, we go through things that in, in the natural look like failures are doing that. The greatest testimony you can ever have is that when you go through something that doesn't look like a victory in the natural, you refuse to let it move you off of your faith in Christ. It can be a loss of any kind. Be financial loss, personal loss. It can be a loved one being lost. It can be issues over any other area. But but if nothing can move you off of your faith, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He said, "Man, we, we, we are cast down. We we, we are." discouraged, we, we are abandoned, we are without, we're all these things. And, and then he makes this amazing statement. And Paul says this. He said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I refuse to let anything that comes against me move me off of who I know I am in Christ. I'm just going to stand. He, he says to the church at Ephesus that having done all to stand, to what? Stand. 
Having done everything to stand, just stand, therefore. And then he says, how do you stand? Put on, having your loins girt about the truth, the breast, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the sword of the Spirit and, and the shield of faith and praying in the Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God and just stand. God, I'm standing. Sometimes in your prayer life, that needs to be your prayer. You just need to look up to heaven and say, Father, standing. I'm standing. I'm not going to let any of these things move me. I believe, I receive, and I just stand. I just stand. Because the devil knows that God operates in the parameters of his word. And if we will stand, Jesus said to J. Iris, don't give up. Keep believing. Come on, church, just keep believing. Keep standing. Keep declaring. Keep pressing. Refuse to let the devil have a victory. This is a war and we fight battles but we win the war. Could you say amen? Now Father today I thank you for your victory declared over our life. And Lord, I thank you for every person right here in the name of Jesus, Father, that you are breaking through. Lord, I come against every religious lie, every religious spirit, every cloud of doubt and unbelief that's tried to been, been placed upon them and enshroud them, Father. I break that right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that the light and the clarity of your word, the, the, your, your, your word says that the entrance of your word brings light. And so, Father, right now, I thank you that your word is illuminating and lighting and bringing revelation into the lives of your people. And Father, I declared it over them in the name of Jesus. If there's something in your life that you need to reassure your stand upon, something you've been believing for, maybe something you've given up on, maybe just something you just decided to accept as this is the way it's going to be. I, I just, you know, I, I've just kind of given up on standing in that area of faith, but things have moved you off. Like Paul said, you're just going to go back to that saying, you want to make that declaration. None of these things move me. I'm going to stand. I'm going to believe that I received Jesus said that he called me, that he's appointed me, that I'm supposed to bear fruit. And if I ask the Father anything in my name, if I desire, if I require it of him and call for it, then it shall be done. So I want to take that stand. If you need to take a stand, I want you to move up here right now. I want to lay hands on you. Cole's going to come pray with me. We're going to lay hands on you just quickly quickly you want to reaffirm a stand I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give up my faith I'm everything God has said is the boundaries of what he will do but he's going to do everything that he said in my life in the name of Jesus today I'm taking a stand I'm reassuring my faith not to anybody else to myself I'm telling myself today I'm a believer and not a doubter I'm going to stand I'm going to win I'm not going to give up God is on my side I'm a I can believer in Jesus name hallelujah